Hi, everybody. It's Todd. So listen carefully to the introduction of this podcast. I'll explain it more after you listen to it, but here's what I want you to listen for. Listen for how long it takes to go from normal to crisis. Welcome to the Pre-Accident Investigation Podcast. I am your host, Todd Conklin. So what do you think about that intro? So let me give you some context for that because the context for that really makes a difference. That is the actual um, vessel data recorder, audio recording from the Costa Concordia when it grounded uh, in the Mediterranean. And that little clip is going to be a theme that we talk about in today's podcast. I think you're going to like it. We're going to talk about understanding normal practice in order to understand critical failure. So I hope you're doing good. Um, I'm really looking forward to spending time with you today. This will be fun. We're going to have a great time. A nice little discussion. Uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Nippon Anand, um, who you'll like a lot. He's uh, he's in the UK. He's a He's a He's a safety thinker, just like you are, a reliability, and he's really kind of a resilience guy, a resilience thinker. We're all kind of in the same family. We're cousins. And uh, Nippon has done a bunch of research, but what, one thing Nippon did was get to actually talk to the vessel master of the Costa Concordia. And, and we've even got a clip of that that he uh, he offered to put in the podcast. So it's a pretty good day. Other than uh, the excitement of today's podcast, you know, every day just gets more and more interesting. I don't know if you're noticing this. Are you noticing this? As the weather, at least in North America, becomes more spring-like, I think I become happier. You can call it seasonal affect disorder. Isn't that what they call it? Sad? Seasonal? Yeah, seasonal affect disorder. But uh, a little snow goes a long ways with me. I'll just put it that way. We don't have to belabor this conversation, but it's a long journey for me. Um, and uh, everybody seems to be doing good. Uh, life is grand. I haven't had any major... Uh, uh, exciting blow-ups anywhere in a plane, although people are having them. I'm fortunately, knock on wood, 
they're not happening to me. And so that's a plus. I like that much. I'm all for that. Um, and I hope to see you soon, other than just in the airport. I am seeing a lot of people in the airport now, and that's kind of fun as well. Perhaps I can spend some time with you and we can hang out and have a great time doing stuff. That would be really good. But until then, let's jump into the pod because I actually think this podcast will – It's I like what this podcast says. I like the way Nippon's research has led him to a place where all of us, I think – can resonate, and that is a um, it, that's a great piece of information. So listen carefully. We're having a little conversation, and uh, and I'll talk to you more actually even inside the podcast. But I'll talk to you more about this uh, once we get it started. But here is the pre-accident podcast, a conversation with uh, with Todd Nippon around economics and resilience, and the cost of Concordia, and normal. Enjoy. My name is Nipin, and uh, originally come from India. Uh, I have been sailing on deep sea ships, uh, containers, car carriers, uh, etc., for almost 11 years. And uh, at 29, uh, when I achieved my license as a master mariner, I decided to to call it a day. I came to the UK, uh, originally come from India, I said that before, and uh, I came to the UK to do a master's course in shipping economics and uh, at Cardiff University in Wales. And uh, I, I did well, I scored a distinction there, but uh, it wasn't really something I, I wanted to pursue. Uh, I had uh, the opportunity, I was sponsored by the Nippon Foundation of Japan, thankfully, to do a PhD in social sciences from there, and particularly looking at the maritime labor market. And uh, I then spent about uh, three and a half years at Cardiff University uh, doing my PhD. Uh, and then I moved to University of Nottingham Business School as a research fellow. I was doing a small project on the, the risk and resilience of critical national infrastructure, taking uh, seaports as the focus so the interesting question was, what is the, the link between risk and resilience? So I think that's where the seeds were sown. And uh, I started to get very interested in risk and safety management kind of work. Uh, I then moved to uh, my current employers where I work uh, as a safety inspector. And uh, it's been about Six years now, I've been working as a safety inspector. I have a huge interest in safety management system and human factors. In fact, uh, it was about two and a half, three years ago, I remember I attended uh, a master class from Sidney Decker in, in, uh, in Amsterdam. And from that point onwards, I started to get very, very interested in this uh, evolving concepts of uh, safety and resilience. Um, so, yeah, that's where I am right now. I work part-time uh, on my own. I write papers. I quite enjoy doing uh, workshops, conferences, things like that. Uh, and I, yeah, uh, and I have an interest in uh, in safety one, safety two uh, kind of thinking. Um, so, yes, uh, Todd, I don't know if that uh, gives you a fair bit of an idea that's of uh, who I am. And, yes. 
excellent overview. What, what did you learn when you're when you were looking at the link between risk and resilience? I'm very curious about that. That that piqued my interest. Um, so basically, uh, Todd, uh, this was a study looking at the critical national infrastructure of the UK. Hypothetically speaking, if there was uh, UK being uh, being an island and uh, you know, so the economy is primarily dependent on maritime transport. Uh, hypothetically speaking, if there was, uh, uh, for example, uh, uh, a ship sinking in the in in the at the entrance of the channel, or a natural disaster, a calamity, what would be the impact on UK's PLC, and then how would uh, how would the economy bounce back to to performing as normal? So we were trying to to see what was the relationship between uh, the risk and and resilience of of the national infrastructure. And the study was designed in a way that uh, we had a, uh, a simulation engineer, a group of simulation engineers, psychologists, and and experts from maritime industry. So yeah, so you're trying to understand uh, if there was uh, any link between uh, uh, risk and resilience. And one interesting thing that came up was was the the role of local communities uh, and 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 also the the uh, if you like the experiential knowledge of of of, of many people uh, who which that we take for granted that comes so useful, which is far away from prescribed rules and 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 procedures. And that comes extremely useful in these kind of situations, and that's what makes a system resilient. Uh, if if you see where I'm coming from. Oh, completely. It, it's it's interesting to me that your background. So so how similar is your background in economics with your newfound passion for for uh, the the new view of safety, uh, the sort of the safety differently approach? How 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 much of an advantage has that been? I think uh, the background in economics has certainly helped a lot, and I suppose uh, one thing that comes extremely very useful is uh, understanding uh, and approaching things more holistically. So if you like, uh, if you want to understand safety, you have to first of all understand how the business works, how, what is the business model, uh, how does the company generate revenue, where are the profits, where are the pressure points. You cannot just talk about safety. You have to talk about the economics. I think that's the starting point, uh, to me at least. So many people talk about safety management system. I think, uh, uh, and and jump into understanding safety. But to my mind, you cannot understand safety without understanding how an organization functions and, and where the revenue actually comes from. You know, Todd, what I also see, uh, uh, something very interesting. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but... I think uh, if you really want to understand uh, safety, then you've got to talk to te- technical people. They are the people who understand st- safety extremely well, inside knowledge. Yeah. And I think that's what makes the system safe. Uh, yes, I agree with you. Economics, have, economists have a very good understanding of, of safety, and so do the technical people. And you get very pure knowledge out of them, actually. Well, I agree with you. I think, and, the, I think, I think the people who actually I, perform the work are much better equipped at understanding how to create really success. Yes, uh, but also, uh, Todd, there is an element of natural sciences uh, which is more determinist in nature, which is which kind of, uh, no matter how much we critique it, it's, it's still very pure. 
So when you speak to somebody who has an engineering mindset, who has a technical mindset, he can only give you an answer one way or the other, and which I find very interesting when you engage with. I work a lot with engineers, and I find their world is very pure, if you like. Yes, very linear, very predictive. Yes, that's true. They like that. Mm, yes, the, the, they like the elegance of engineering. They do, isn't it? Yes. Uh, what What got you interested in the Costa Concordia? Okay, so start uh, all good things start over a cup of coffee, and uh, I was uh, in 2017 uh, myself and uh, Oisa Hildeberg from the Danish Maritime Action Investigation Board. Uh, we were sitting down in London. Uh, we, we we had a meeting for something something else, and we were having a cup of coffee. And we started discussing about accidents in general, and then the topic of Costa Concordia came up. So uh, I and him have always been, uh, been, uh, uh, if you like, we were always very curious about this accident. Uh, we felt that uh, we wanted to learn more about this accident, more than what is understood in the public domain. So. Uh, uh, we, uh, Oyster and I started uh, having a discussion and uh, it came, uh, towards the end, we came to the conclusion that we had to at least uh, give it a try and then see if we can reach out to somebody who can give us access to the captain of the vessel. Uh, so we spoke to uh, an organization in Norway called Skagerak Foundation. And uh, Skagerak Foundation has has uh, has, has been a, a a supporter, if you like, of of uh, the captain of this of this vessel. So uh, Skagera Foundation then linked me to to the captain of uh, this is this goes back to 2017 January. So I set up uh, a Skype call with the captain. Uh, I obviously forwarded uh, a few papers that I'd written before. So he offered to speak with me on Skype. And then I had another couple of Skype calls uh, just to build that reputation in REPL. And uh, yeah, it uh, it worked out. Uh, we had an opportunity to to fly to Sorrento, his hometown in Meta in Italy. We we spent about four days in his hometown. Uh, we did a lot of interviews, uh, video interviews. We had a lot of informal discussions over over coffee or or meals. We did uh, uh, an awful lot of document analysis, uh, looked at the data recorder, etc. And uh, the idea was never to 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 kind of claim any sort of objectivity or one truth. Uh, uh, it was it was more of uh, our story, our experiences of of engaging with somebody who was firsthand involved in an accident. So, which I found extremely very interesting. So yeah, that's I don't know if that answers your question. What what'd you learn? Tell tell me what you what you guys discover. So uh we we had a lot of discussions and uh, the way we set it up was Todd uh we encouraged the captain to to just talk to us about himself, his background as a person, trying to understand him before Anything else, and then we also spend some time uh, in in the city just uh, just to get a sense of uh, 
the sociocultural kind of uh, background where he comes from what is the importance of of the town uh, how does it relate to his world and things like that and uh, then we moved into after we 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 got to understand him a little bit and then we slowly moved into the the accident how it happened and uh, and then uh, we looked into the the post accident kind of uh, consequences and things like that it was a very chronological kind of uh, approach but uh, and we allowed it uh, to take its own toll uh, of course he had a tendency to go into every direction which is understandable uh, so once we did that and and then we we kind of built a, a narrative and then uh, on the last day itself uh, it was some probing questions about things that we did not understand well uh so yeah that was kind of uh, the the data collection technique that we used but generally uh speaking there were about three or four themes that 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 came out uh, uh from the, that analysis that we are we are still in the process of doing one was uh, uh what you call uh what what is understood as uh, a normal practice uh, of 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 sailing close to islands uh, as he described in one of his quotes uh, which i found extremely very interesting to to explore further uh, the second bit was uh, the uh, how come a team of professionals could not uh, could not notice uh, a big ship heading straight into the rocks so in in if you if you like in in a wider context uh, what was the 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 team dynamics uh on 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 the bridge of that vessel and if you want to take it even further uh, a question to to be asked is how do we think a team of professionals come together and perform uh, to achieve a goal and if there is such a thing as a common goal so that was uh, another question that that thematically speaking that uh, was very extremely very interesting and then uh, it was uh, the 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 emergency procedures uh, contingency plans and things like that how they they work in practice that was another theme that that was that came up uh, from this discussion from this analysis and finally uh, this this whole idea of of the captain leaving the the ship before all the passengers were evacuated uh, so so trying to understand that that side of things as well so yeah so about four of these themes uh, that we are currently analyzing and and kind of uh, writing some papers and presenting around the world i think it's it's been a remarkable learning tour and to my mind i think uh, what's unique about this this whole accident is that uh, we have in the history of maritime uh, transport uh, we have uh, i can't recall a single instance where we have engaged or involved uh, ourselves with somebody who was involved in an accident uh, and to understand their perspective about the accident in the aviation sector uh, we normally do not have this this opportunity uh, for understandable reasons but in the maritime world uh, uh, although we have uh, uh, a lot of times we 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 do have access and opportunity uh, to to interview or engage with these people we generally don't do that and uh, to give you some perspective uh, on the first day we met him uh, his his first uh, 
reaction was that you are the first two people who came to me to speak uh, to me uh, from uh, at a professional level. So that tells you something about how the industry views accidents in general, which I found extremely intriguing and interesting both. I do too. I I actually find that that's that's incredible. It's it's almost hard to believe. That's uh, because the because the knowledge the vessel master would carry. Although I would think it would, I would think the conversations would have been difficult at best. But that not you want to tap into that knowledge to understand sort of the local rationale. And it's interesting that you moved chronologically. Can I ask you a question about that? Absolutely, should it? Did you move? from the accident backwards, or did you start sort of at the beginning of the vessel master's career and move towards the accident? Did you move away from the smoke or towards the smoke? Well, that's very interesting, Todd. And I see where you're coming from. And as I said, the idea was never to work back. It was more to understand the normal work. Yeah. The idea was to start from the beginning. And, yeah. and even, you know, because I'm a social scientist and anthropologist, to me, the most important thing, as I said to you in the beginning, was to understand him as a person and understand the situation before you start to understand the the, the outcome of, of what happened. Yeah. Yeah, it's so much it's so much more complete. You have such a better context rich understanding of how they got to where they got to. What what should we take from this? Not just from what you learned and the themes that arose. But what should we take from this for the overall maritime industry? What are the what are the bigger lessons we need to be learning? I think, uh, Todd, uh, there are many aspects to it, and we can talk about it. But uh, I think one of the things is, uh, and I think we have to engage with failures. And I think that is that that came across uh, to me. It was always extremely important that if you want to build resilient systems of the future. You cannot ignore the input of, of of people who have been involved in accidents. Now, of course, the society views it as as, as something uh, unnecessary, or even uh, I don't know to some extent uh, idiotic uh, for some people. But I think if you want to build systems of the future that are resilient, I think it is extremely important to incorporate the views of of such people. So that was one learning, of course. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's many other things, Todd. Uh, one thing, one other thing is uh, to understand what is a normal practice. Uh, in one of the quotes that uh, you might might want to to uh, uh, to play at a later stage, uh, I sent it to you also. Have a look and see uh, the helplessness, as I, as I see, as I see, uh, to explain the obvious. Uh, that uh, this is what I do all the time. Uh, this is, is, a, is a passenger vessel, and this is what it does. In general, we are performing a, sal performing a salute with the, uh, a cruise line in reducing the speed, uh, calling the maneuver operation, take the ball thruster on the bridge, we, you slow down the engine, you, know, you, you perform the salute at five, six, seven knots maximum. This was not any kind of uh, a, a, a touristic navigation that was, uh, let's say, this was simply a passage at 0 0.5 nautical miles from shore. It was not any special practice because 
we didn't have time to lose, to uh, slow down the engine, to go very close to the left. This is the same passage that you can perform when you go from Savona to Barcelona and you pass at 0.4 nautical miles from shore or even when you navigate at full speed in the belt channel in Copenhagen where you are at 0.2 on each side from the land and you are in restricted water. This is, was not uh, the, the practice that you perform, let's say you pay tribute to the island or to make the passenger happy to offer an additional value to the, to, to the cruise. Obviously, even if you are passing by at 0.5 nautical miles, still is interesting for the passenger to see uh, uh, for those that they are on the island, let's say, this was a normal practice to to pass, let's say, close, but close is relatively close because we are talking here 1,000 meters far. Obviously, if you speak uh, to a captain of a tanker, of a very large crude carrier, where they never see the land, even when I was an officer on a very uh, large cruise carrier, you have a different uh, parameters to establish the distance, but when you are a cruise ship captain and you on daily basis you navigate through the Venice Channel, uh, 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 fjords, uh, uh, um, the fjords in, in the South Pole, Ushuaia, uh, uh, big um, channel and uh, oh. so it was nothing so special just to make a course deviation on the waypoint at 0.5 nautical miles from the bathymetric of 10 meters from the land, it was not a difficult. And initially you asked me the question about economics and, and how you relate that with safety. So to which my response was, one cannot understand safety without understanding how the business model works. So the point, putting it in context is that when you start to to explain the obvious that that uh, this is a passenger vessel and this is what it does it goes close to the land and this is what how you achieve customer satisfaction and things like that so that that helplessness to explain it it shows you the disconnect between work as imagined and work as done which is which is which is fantastic i mean not fantastic in the sense but it's fascinating to 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 learn the disconnect uh, but to me, as somebody, sorry. Well, I actually think you're right. It is it is somewhat fantastic that our imagination of how work happens versus how work actually happens are, is so incredibly different. Indeed, and uh, you know, uh, of course, this is a topic that has been researched for 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 many years now, and we are seeing a lot more uh, more interest in this area. But to me, an even bigger question is that. Why is it that we are not able to pick up these normal practices uh, or, or work as done uh, before something happens? And that is something that really interests me. So what, what is it that we are, we are missing here? The governance tools that we use, the inspections and audits and, and all that stuff. Why is it that we are not able to uncover this, this such an obvious thing? 
And that is that is really interesting to me. And but if I flip it around and 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 be in that position where where he is and ask the question uh, before something happens. So hypothetically speaking, if I'm an inspector and if I go on board before an accident happens and ask the question, do you ever go close to the land? The answer will be no. We don't. We have never done that. And. The thing is, Todd, what, what is also interesting is not that people are lying or, or, or hiding something from you. They are 100% convinced that they are actually following the procedures. And this is extremely very interesting. That it's not, again, I'll repeat that, it's not, it's not that people are lying. They are 100% convinced that they are following work as prescribed or as imagined. And I struggle to understand this. But the thing is, again, uh, it takes a while and it takes a certain approach, a certain temperament to get people to talk about what do they do? What is it that they do? What do you think? I told you this is a really good podcast. I uh, really appreciated the ability to use that sound clip in the middle of the captain of the Costa Concordia. I'm sure you figured out who that was. I didn't feel any need to interrupt and tell you. You're smart people. You, you, you're able to sort of discern who that was. I just think this conversation and, and, and some of the ensuing things about this conversation, the fact that nobody really had talked to this vessel master is, uh, is amazing. And talk to them to understand the context and how they're feeling and what was going on there, the local rationale. I'm sure lots of liability people and law enforcement people, those people talk to him. But to understand the failure – that's pretty important. And that makes Nippon's research really interesting. And he's going to be in the United States a couple times this year. If you get a chance to see him take it, that whole notion of, of bridge resource management and what normal looks like, that's a mystery we have not yet solved. Um, that's got some time on it. That's for sure. Thank you, Nippon. I appreciated your time on the podcast. I also appreciate you for listening. Tell your friends. Subscribe, do all that stuff you're supposed to do. Write a review, but only good ones. Only good ones. Until then, my friends, learn something new every single day. I bet you did today. Have as much fun as you possibly can. And for goodness sakes, be safe.